morning. Uh, can I add my welcome to Andrews? Uh, my name's James. I'm the pastor in training here at Trinity. We're going to be spending some time thinking about Jesus' teaching on prayer uh, this morning, so it seems appropriate that we should pray and ask God to help us understand his word and help us to pray. So join me as I uh, pray now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our Father in heaven. And we pray this morning that you would teach us to pray through the words of our Lord Jesus. Strengthen us, equip us, and minister to us this morning in our needs, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're going to be spending this Sunday and next Sunday in Jesus' teaching on prayer in the Lord's Prayer. And this morning, I'm just going to read Matthew 6, verses 9 and 10, and we're going to spend our time this morning focusing on those verses. Let's hear God's word. Jesus speaking to his disciples and to the crowd. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The American author Melissa Broder uh, said this recently. Most people who meet me never know that I am struggling. On the outside, I'm smiling. I'm juggling all the balls of okayness, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, existential. And yet underneath, I am suffocating. I wonder if that resonates with you this morning. You spend your life pretending you're okay, which means, as we saw last week, that you end up making a pretense with religion too. You come Sunday by Sunday, but you feel like you're pretending and it's exhausting. You spend your time looking out of the corner of your eye, checking that people are noticing. You fall into the trap of thinking that you must twist God's arm by performing particular rituals to get particular blessings. You feel the pressure, whether that's external or internal, to be seen as someone who's committed. And so week by week, you put on the mask and hope that it will just be enough. We spent some time thinking about that last week. But my prayer and hope this morning and next week is that as we immerse ourselves in, in, ourselves in Jesus' teaching on prayer, it will encourage us to breathe to relax, to pause, to come into a place of joy and peace. I hope that as we look at Jesus' teaching on prayer, we'll see that prayer is never a performance. Instead, it's a privilege as we're invited into intimacy with our Heavenly Father. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. And before we look at the specific petitions, let me just say two things. Firstly, this, when we look at the Lord's Prayer, it is a model for us that teaches us how to pray. The structure of the Lord's Prayer models to us how our desires should be shaped and how we should come to God in prayer. The fourth century theologian Augustine said this, whatever other words we say, if we pray properly, we say nothing if they are not found 
in the Lord's Prayer. What's he saying? That as we come to God in prayer, the prayer that Jesus has given us should shape our desires. It should shape our requests. Now, I don't say that to put us off prayer. I say that actually to encourage you in prayer. Do you ever find you're spending time in prayer and you think, I just don't know what to pray? I don't know if I'm allowed to pray this. I don't know how to pray for this thing. But if we immerse ourselves in the Lord's Prayer, it should help us know where our desires should lead us. So if you're wondering what to pray for, I'm playing golf with Sam, hopefully, in a couple of weeks' time. Can I pray that I win in golf? We'll we'll go through the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our daily bread. No, that probably doesn't fit with that. Hallowed be thy name. Probably not if I win. Deliver us from evil. I'll let you decide whether I can pray if I can win there. But you see, when we're praying for things, use the Lord's Prayer to shape how we pray. So I've been praying for a few of you in here as you've gone for interviews. Do I simply just pray, Lord, please give them this job? Or do I allow the Lord's Prayer to shape how I think about that particular situation? Father, give us today our daily bread. Maybe I'm praying for you and I'm asking that the Lord would provide for you in giving you that job. Maybe you're praying for a job and you're saying, hallowed be your name. You think, this is an opportunity for me to honor Jesus in my work. Lord, please give me that opportunity. Another thing that I pray for people in this room, and I'm sure many of us pray for ourselves, is about singleness. And sometimes you might think, well, can I even pray about my singleness? Can I pray into that? Well, I think as you go through the Lord's Prayer, you see that the Lord's Prayer shapes your desires and shapes your prayers when it comes to singleness. Our Father in heaven. Father, you know the loneliness that I feel. Help me find my identity in you. Your kingdom come. Lord, I want to honor you. And it feels to me that I would honor you with a spouse. Please help me find a spouse who will love me by loving you first. Lead me not into temptation. Lord, help me not to make an idol out of this prayer. Help me not to make an idol out of these desires. Lord, sustain me in the struggle. You see, when we take the Lord's Prayer into our hearts, it actually shapes the way we think about things, the way we desire things. Jesus says this then is how you should pray. But the second thing I want to say before we get into the the meat of the prayer is this. Jesus is inviting us to pray. When he says this then is how you should pray, it's as if he's holding us by the hand and bringing us in to God's presence. He's saying you don't need to do anything. You can take the mask on. You can just come to God and cry out to him. Jesus is saying when you find prayer hard, pray in the spirit of this prayer. Because if we take the words of this prayer onto our lips, how on earth could God turn us away? He's given us these words to pray. I think as we take the Lord's Prayer into our hearts, it helps us overcome superficiality in our prayers. We don't come to God as if we're going to a supermarket with a list. No, we come to our Father in heaven. We don't come in our own merits. We come led by Jesus into prayer. 
You see, the whole of the story of the Bible is how God welcomed us into his presence by the work of his son. You see, as we look at the life of Jesus, this is what we see. The son of God's love becomes the object of God's wrath so that the objects of his wrath can become daughters and sons of God's love. He has done everything for you to come into his presence. So this then is how you should pray. It's an invitation from Jesus to come with him into the throne room of grace. And let me just focus on four things this morning that the beginning of the Lord's Prayer invites us into. The Lord's Prayer invites us into intimacy, into reverence, into participation, and into surrender. So let me go through each of those briefly now. As Jesus teaches us to pray, he invites us into intimacy, our Father in heaven. Now, I don't know if uh, any of you were watching last Saturday evening as Emma Raducanu won the U.S. Open. I know Josh and I were fanboying as she um, destroyed her opponent and won it. An incredible performance from an 18-year-old girl. Ten matches. She didn't lose a set. In everything she did, she was calm and composed. An incredible display of hitting both forehand and backhand. And then at the end, having won, the TV presenter said, and now so-and-so from such-and-such a bank is going to hand you a check for $2.5 million. And you look at that and think, wow, this girl is on top of the world. She has everything. Everyone wants to interview her. Immediately, she's the favorite to be sports personality of the, of the year. The world is at her feet. And let me tell you that if you're a Christian this morning, you have something better. And it's summarized in these two words, our Father. If you're a Christian this morning and you know that, you have something better than Emma Raducanu. You have a God in heaven who is your father. Jesus is saying that as you put your trust in him, you begin to live your life under the watchful care of your heavenly father. He isn't sat in heaven waiting to trip you up or for you to make a mistake. He's not waiting for you to make a mistake so that he can lash out irrationally at you. No, Jesus is saying, unclench your fists. Take a deep breath. Let your heart rate decrease. Relax. And come into the presence of our Father in heaven. He's saying this is how you should pray. With the knowledge that you are children at his feet. If it's not too irreverent to say, almost as a child with their head in the lap of their father. Desperate for his help. And his grace. You see, if, as Christians, we are no longer children of wrath. We are daughters and sons of the most high God. Andrew and Rachel Wilson. Andrew Wilson's a pastor in London. They've written a book on their experience of parenting children with special needs. It's a remarkable story. And in one of the chapters, Andrew Wilson des uh, describes how having discovered that his second child had a regressive form of autism, went out into the forest near his house for a walk with his dog. This is how he describes it. It was a crisp, sunny autumn morning, and I decided to start with the Lord's Prayer before moving on to something else. As it turned out, the dog and I got lost. I suppose it would be fair to say that I got lost, since he really didn't have much to do with it. And it took me two and a half hours 
to get from our Father to give us this day our daily bread. Slowly, as we crunched leaves and meandered through parts of the forest I'd never seen before, I talked to God and meandered through parts of the Lord's Prayer I'd never seen that way before. God heard me. I heard God. Our Father. There's something immensely powerful and reassuring, I realize, about starting a prayer with the most intimate form of address there is. Before asking for anything or complaining about anything, I remind myself that the one I'm speaking to loves me, is for me, and wants what is best for me, just as surely as I want what is best for Zeke and Anna. With these simple, touching first two words, I rule out any explanation of unanswered prayer that involves God not listening, or God not caring, or God not loving. Everything I say in the rest of my prayer is founded on the truth that God is good, wants to do me good, and will do me good. Fathers don't give their kids stones when they need sandwiches. So if God doesn't immediately give me what I'm asking for, that's because somehow, ultimately, there is something better. I know it was a long quote, but isn't that wonderful? Our Father in heaven. Jesus invites us into intimacy. But let me just deal with something before we move on. Because there'll be some of us in this room who have had a very difficult relationship with their fathers. And you're sitting here thinking, James, it's great for you to talk about praying to our father, but that doesn't register any delight for me. When we talk of a father, all I think of is selfishness, deceit, abuse. Maybe speaking of God as our Father makes you want to choke. And can I say this morning, that must be really hard. That must be really hard week by week at church when we use that language. I think it's really significant and important that Jesus doesn't say your Father. It's not your Father, it's our Father. Not your Father, but the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's our Father whose love for us is cross-shaped. It's our Father who absorbed the blow, who paid the price, who took the initiative, who did it all. Our Father doesn't break a bruised reed. Our Father is not the Father who violated or failed or crushed or overwhelmed. No, it's our Father in heaven. Our Father who has no abuse in him who will never violate anyone. Jesus invites you this morning into intimacy with God. It's free and it's available. Unclench your fists. Let your heart rate decrease. Breathe and enter into his presence. Our Father in heaven. Secondly, Jesus invites us into reverence. He says the second petition there, or the first petition as it were, hallowed be your name. I think it's significant that that's the first thing we pray. Having acknowledged that God is our Father, the first thing we pray is, hallowed be your name. You see, whilst for some of us, we struggle to think of God in those intimate terms, we struggle to come to God, for many of us, our religion has become very casual and careless. God can kind of become a big buddy in the sky. 
And we just rush into his presence because we think we deserve to be there. And Jesus is saying, no, hang on a second, pause. Hallowed be your name. We are coming to the Holy One who inhabits eternity. And the very fact that he invites you to call you father, call him father, should stagger you, should leave your jaw on the floor. You see, Jesus knows that if we bypass reverence in our relationship with God, we actually end up forfeiting intimacy. You see, if we ignore reverence, if we ignore the fact that God is above all things and that he is holy, 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 we reduce him to no more than our equal. And therefore, that intimacy that we long for becomes contingent on how we feel, not who he is. And so Jesus is saying, as you pause, get lost in wonder, love, and praise. That the God who is beyond the categories of our comprehension allows us and wants us to call him Father. The early church used to pray this. Grant that we may bear to call on thee as father. They said, help us to grasp how high and deep and wide is the love of God for us in Christ Jesus because it's staggering that this God would allow us to call him father. Hallowed be your name. And you might be saying, well, that sounds great, but isn't that a bit egotistical? God saying, the first thing I want you to pray about, the first thing that you need is for my name to be hallowed and honored. Well, I think Jesus puts this here because this is actually the best thing that can happen to us. You see, praise is good for us. C.S. Lewis puts it like this. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another and one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. Our praise of God is actually the best antidote for sorrow of these past 18 months. So when Jesus says, pray, hallowed be your name, and invites us into that reverence, he's inviting us into what is best for us. And he's saying, as you pause, And as you unclench your fists, take the names of God and dwell on them. Live in them. Grow to love them. He is Yahweh will provide. He is Yahweh your healer. He is Yahweh my banner. He is Yahweh who sanctifies you. He is the Lord is my peace. He is the Lord my shepherd. The Lord our righteousness. Yahweh is there, the Lord of hosts, the rock that is higher than I am, the most high God. As you dwell in that, your intimacy with him becomes more meaningful and more significant. Jesus invites us into intimacy. He invites us into reverence. And he also invites us into participation. When he gets us to pray, your kingdom come. Perhaps this helps us answer Another objection. Maybe you think, well, is prayer superfluous? You see, we we pray to the God who is over all things. He can do whatever he wants. So are we asking him to do what he's already going to do? 
Augustine again helps us when he says this. And as for our saying, your kingdom come, it will surely come whether we will it or not. But as we pray, we are stirring up our desires for the kingdom so that it can come to us and we can reign there with him. What's Augustine saying? He's saying, as you take this prayer on your lips, your kingdom come, that prayer is changing you. It is shaping your heart so that you are living in God's world, shaped by his desires. Emma's much better at this than me, but obviously having a three-year-old, we want to train her and help her by encouraging her to participate in the things that we do. So we help get her to help us make her breakfast. And it's horrendous because like milk is going everywhere, Weetabix flakes are flying everywhere, and then the milk gets on and it sticks and it's horrible. Emma's much more patient with it than me. But you persevere with that because it's not good for Millie for us to just do everything for her, to spoon feed her. She won't learn to flourish in life if we end up just doing everything for her. And God is inviting us to participate in his mission as we pray, your kingdom come. Another thing that's really helpful as we participate in his mission is we're reminded that there is a kingdom that will fully and finally come. There is a kingdom that is above all the kingdoms of this world. And so for all the pain that we've experienced over these past 18 months, that is not how it's going to be in the future. The novelist P.D. James said, says this in one of her novels, if the screams of all earth's living creatures were one scream of pain, surely it would shake the stars. And don't we feel that at times? The, the screams of the news that we see on the TV or read on our phone seem to shake us. And we think, how can this be how it is? You see, in a world filled with cancer and AIDS and sex trafficking and rapacious greed and toxic waste, if we think that that is all, that, all there is, if that is just the way things are, then it would be hopeless. But when we pray your kingdom come, we know that the world will be changed. That we are currently in a world where things are profoundly abnormal. And that when God's reign is seen by all people, all of those things will disappear. And that changes us, doesn't it? When you kind of relax and think, okay, it's not about me having to do things. It's about God working his kingdom into this world. And I'm just along for the ride. I'm part of that remarkable change. That changes us. And finally this. Jesus invites us into intimacy, our Father in heaven. He invites us into reverence. Hallowed be your name. He invites us into participation. Your kingdom come. It's going to happen. And he invites us into surrender when we say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I wonder what you make of that section of the prayer, your will be done. Is it that kind of fingers crossed? Well, if I don't get what I want, then at least I know that God's still there. No, Jesus is saying, you're coming to your Father in heaven. He knows what you want and need better than you, you know it yourself. And so as you say, your will be done, you're surrendering to him. He knows what is best for you. 
he loves you. It's become quite popular in recent years, I think, to, to talk a lot about name it and claim it prayers. If you name something and claim it, then God will do it for you. And it, it seems like a remarkable expression of faith. If I say this is going to happen, then it will. I think actually that is the opposite of what the Lord's Prayer is telling us to do. Of course, we have complete confidence and faith in God. But it's not a case of, I'm going to say what I want and God's going to give it to me. It's surrendering yourself and saying, there are loads of things that I want. But God knows more than me. And therefore, what he gives me is better than what I want. And so I surrender myself into his care. I think it's another way that we can relax. You see, if we surrender ourselves into God's care, rather than saying, I'm going to long for these things and believe they're going to happen, if we surrender ourselves, then we don't have to manipulate situations. We can trust that God will bring these things about. We don't have to ride roughshod over others to get what we want because we can relax as we surrender ourselves into God's care. And why do I say that? Because there is another place where these words were taken on the lips of Jesus. As he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was in agony, thinking about what lay before him, and he said, your will be done. And the way for God's will to be done on earth was for Jesus to fully enter into the pain of this earth. God's will was done in Jesus, not through avoiding suffering, but through Jesus himself, suffering for us and if God himself would do that in the person of Jesus for us we can give up our fears and surrender to him if Jesus could say your will be done and went through that for us we must believe that God's will for us is good and perfect and we can surrender to him that might be hard in fact it will be hard in lots of circumstances but as we surrender to him he gives us the strength for every situation because as we surrender to him we remember this the son of God's love became the object of God's wrath so that the objects of God's wrath could become daughters and sons of God if you believe in Jesus you are a child of of God who loves you he loves you with an everlasting love his will for you is good he will bring it to perfection and completion when his kingdom is fully and finally seen and as we wait for that you have a choice bullishly try and get what you want or surrender yourself surrender yourself into his everlasting arms and know that it will be hard on the journey, but the destination will make it completely worth it. The Son of God's love became the object of God's wrath, so that the objects of God's wrath could become sons and daughters of God's love. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father, in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is 
from heaven. We normally pray uh, for the needs of the church and the needs of the world before the sermon, but I thought it would be appropriate, having spent some time reorientating our desires and our hearts on God, to now spend that time now praying to God. And I'm going to pray for us as a church, pray for our world, and try and shape it around this prayer, this beautiful prayer, um, and lead us as we think about the different needs in the church. And then at the end of uh, the time of prayer, uh, we'll say together, it will come up on the screen, we'll say together the words of the Lord's Prayer. So let's turn to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we want to say that we love you because you have first loved us. We thank you that you are our Father in heaven and we pray this morning that you would help us to find our identity in you. We pray for those in here who feel distant from you, who are struggling because of challenges that they're facing. We pray that you would help them to center their lives on you, to find their identity in that knowledge that they are your children. Lord, we say to you this morning, we need you. As a child needs their parents, as a, as a daughter or son needs their father, Lord, we need you. And so we cry out to you this morning and ask that you would be to us our Father in heaven who gives good gifts to those who know him and love him. Father, we want to praise you this morning because you are high and lifted up. You are the Holy One that inhabits eternity. You are Jehovah Jireh, the God who always provides. We praise you because you are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. We praise you because you are the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that in your name there is power. We thank you that in the name of Jesus there is beauty. We praise you this morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the thrice holy God, and worship you. We pray this morning, Lord, that your kingdom would come across the world. We continue to pray for your church in Afghanistan and ask that you would help them to remain faithful in the midst of great hostility. We acknowledge at the start of our service that you are a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widow and orphan, and we pray for those people in Afghanistan. We pray for young women not allowed to return to school. Please protect them from harm, we pray. Protect them from being forced into situations they don't want to be forced into. Give world leaders wisdom, we pray, as they seek to negotiate and understand what is going on in that country. Lord, we pray for your kingdom to come here in Oxford. It grieves us, Lord, that Sunday by Sunday, thousands of people walk past the doors of churches and give you not a thought. We pray that you would help us to shine as a light into this city and to point people to Jesus. Please draw people to us. And Lord, we 
pray this not because we long for our numbers to be increased, but because we want more people to join us in bowing in the knee to the Lord Jesus. Please do that by your power in his name. Father, we surrender to you this morning. And as we do so, we bring into your care those that we love and hold close to us. We continue to pray for Gloria. And we pray particularly for her dad, that you would have your healing hand upon him. Lord, we ask for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we know that heaven is a place where there are no more tears and sadness. So we pray that you might miraculously intervene in this situation. We pray as well for Isaac's brother, Jed, and ask that you would be with him. We thank you that he's out of hospital, but we pray, Lord, that the recovery he makes would stagger those that are looking after him. We pray for his speech to return fully. We pray for doctors to have wisdom as they work out how on earth to care for him in the coming months and and how to provide for him and support him uh, with the with the particular challenge that he's facing. Lord, we each have our own needs. We continue to think of Zach in Yemen and ask that you would keep him safe, that you would provide for him and the different things that he is doing. We pray for Kathleen as she returns to the States on Tuesday, that you might provide a job for her. And Lord, there are many others in this room who have particular needs, and we bring them to you now. We cast them into your care, knowing that you care for us. So Lord, even as we've spent time in these words, we're conscious that we've not shaped our lives around this prayer. We pray that you might forgive us. And Lord, having forgiven us, we pray that you might send us out as people who are full of grace and mercy. Help us to reflect your forgiveness to those who need it. And we pray that you would help us in this coming week. Lord, we want to live for you, and yet it's so difficult because we're assailed by temptations on every side. Please help us by your Holy Spirit, to live lives that are more like the Lord Jesus. Be with us and help us, we pray. And we now say together these wonderful words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.